Welcome to the podcast of Maranatha Ministries. I'm Rick Frank, Senior Pastor of Maranatha, and I pray you'll be blessed by today's message. You can access all of our church information by going to our website at www.mmchurch.com or on all social media by searching at mmchurch. And now be blessed by listening to today's message. Praise God. Would you stand with me and let's read uh, our scripture reading today in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through verse 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved. And then, verse 9 through 12, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth." Even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. Praise God. Lord Jesus, I pray today that that which we mention and we speak, Lord, will find its resting place in our heart, that we may understand and rejoice in your love for us and your purpose for us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And I would like to speak to you about made with purpose. Made with purpose. I'm sure we've run into someone, if not our our own selves, and we have questioned sometimes, why why are we here? What is the purpose of my life? Why, Why do I exist? But there is a reason. It's obvious by the scriptures that God made man with a purpose in mind. I noticed the scripture said he chose us before he chose to make the world. In his compassion and love and design of mind, he saw us as a church, a people of love for him, worshiping him, preparing our hearts to live with him forever. He saw us. The earth had not been made yet, not one blade of grass, not even a form. It said before the foundation of the world. Before God designed the world and put all the things that he put on it for us, he thought of us. 
It's much like, I think, when someone is going to make something, whatever it might be, whether it's baking or whether it's carpentry or whatever it is, we see the finished product in our mind before we ever start. If you don't, someone undoubtedly is coming by soon and saying, what in the world are you doing? And you're going to say, I don't know, but I'm really busy at it. And they're going to say, you sure are, but I don't have a clue what in the world it is. You say, well, I don't know. I'm hoping that one of these days when I get done, then again, I'm not sure when I'll be done because I don't know what I'm making. You've got to know what you're making if you're going to ever get done on anything that you're making. And God said, I have a plan. I have a plan. And so he made plans to redeem us. That's how much he loved us. Even though he made us, he gave us a will so that we were not puppets on a string, as it were. We were not being controlled by him. For if we were controlled by him, naturally we would all be serving him. Without regard, we would be serving him. Or then again, would we really be serving him? Or would we just be acting like we were serving him? And God understood with his great wisdom and understanding and knowledge, he understood that to truly love someone, you've got to be free. You can't be controlled. You can't be, you know, directed and and guided constantly if you're really going to love someone. And God wanted that. And so he put choice in man. When he made man, he made man a free agent. That's tough. If I went through the trouble he went through, Do you know what it took? He didn't make man until the sixth day. Meantime, he made the earth. He put an atmosphere around the earth so man could live. There could be breathing. He made animals. He made fish in the sea. He separated everything. He made dry land. It was all covered in water. All of these things he made. He put the sun and the moon and the stars in the universe so that All of this would be in place. And when he got all of that done, then he made man. And he breathed into man. He didn't just speak man into existence, but he breathed life, his life, into man. And man became a living soul. He didn't become another animal. He became a living soul. He would live forever. He breathed eternity into man. Oh, hallelujah. And so as they dwelt in there, he made Eve. Praise God. He made Eve to be with Adam. And together, I don't know how long they were in the garden, but God loved them. And they loved God. And every day they had fellowship together. You've got to love someone to see them every day. You really do. And he did. He came every day, every day, every day. And they shared such fellowship. But the devil who's a liar, I said the devil who's a liar, big time liar. In fact, the Bible calls him the father of lies. Amen. Convinced Eve that she needed to disobey God. And of course, man fell into sin. She was deceived, but the Bible says Adam was not. 
Adam was not deceived, but he got the blame. Yeah. So you can say it's your wife all you want, but if you're, you're connected, you get the blame, man. Yeah. You bear the blame. He chose to go with Eve. And together they were cast out of the garden and uh, the fellowship changed, but not, com- not ended, just changed because God's love is too great. I want to tell you something that I was, I was having a lunch, kind of a brunch with a, a particular minister that I revered and I appreciated so very, very much. And uh, uh, his son was also a minister and at the time, I was, I was very confused about his son's actions. And um, so I, I chose to have breakfast with him. I said, I've really longed to ha- have this breakfast with you because I need to ask you something for my own mind. I just need to ask you something. He said, well, what is it? I said, well, I said, I've asked some other ministers, and they think it's no problem what your son is doing. But I said, in my conscience and in my spirit, I just feel what he's doing is not right. And I want, to, I want to hear your take on it. I want to hear what you think on it. And he looked down at his napkin and picked his head back up and he said, Brother Carter, he said, what my son is doing is wrong. What you're feeling is right. But he's still my son. He's still my son. And I thought about that and I said, you know, good, thank you. Thank you, that helps me, and I totally understand. God is the same way. We do such things that bring such harm and such frustration and such just disturbance to God. We grieve the Spirit of God, but we're still His Son. We're still His creation. He still loves us. He loves us with an everlasting love, and He never stops reaching for us, no matter that he doesn't like what we're doing, but we're still his children. Hallelujah. He made plans, therefore, even before he ever made man. Now, you would think that knowing everything, he would just make man so this wouldn't happen. Seemed like it would be a lot simpler, but like I said, would it really been love? Would it really been a service? Would it really been something of an endearment? Uh, you know, it's just... I'm so thankful that when I asked my wife to marry me, she said yes. (laughs) And you know what? She said yes all by herself. There was nobody behind her poking her. There was nobody, you know, threatening. There was no pressure in the sense of, in the sense that she had to say yes But in her saying yes of her free will was the beauty in the love that we would have. It's just how it works. God feels the same way. Who knows us better than God? There's no one that knows us better than God. And he made plans to redeem us, knowing already our failures, but knowing also his sacrifice and that through his righteousness, we could also be righteous. Scripture says over in Revelation that we are redeemed by his blood. God has always intended to us for us to have fellowship with him. And when we look in the book, 
we quickly realize that if we cry out in a desire for God, he will answer us. He will answer us. It's the devil that tells us and our flesh that tells us that God doesn't care anymore and doesn't want us anymore, doesn't hear us anymore. But I want to tell you what, he hears you even if your voice can't even speak. He does. God is concerned. God has always wanted to hear from the heart. He's always wanted our heart to be in tune with him. So he doesn't, he doesn't go by lip service. He reaches down into the heart and says, what is the heart saying? I'm always amazed when I read the story in the scriptures concerning the man in the Gadarenes who was so possessed of demons that he couldn't even control himself in any way, even to the point he didn't even have a voice. The demons in him spoke for him. That's possession in big-time fashion. And yet, he found himself at the feet of Jesus. Those demons did not bring him at the feet of Jesus. What brought him at the feet of Jesus? Coming out of the tombs, it it was a desire to, for deliverance. It was a desire to have Jesus in his life. And the Lord, the Lord saw that. He saw that. And when he rebuked the demons, the man was changed so drastically that when they came out and saw him, they said, who, who is this sitting at your feet? This could not possibly be the same man. It was the same man. But you know what? They didn't love the man. They didn't love him at all. They loved their swine more. For the scripture says that there was swine that were eating on grazing in the meadow not far from there. And the demons asked Jesus if they could go into the pigs that were over there in the field. Now, how big is the devil? Tell me, tell me his authority when he's got to ask Jesus if, if it's okay if they go into the pigs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got a feeling. I got a feeling we're all going to be amazed when we see the size of the devil. If we see the size of the devil. The Bible says that one angel is going to hold him. And the same angel is going to lift the lid to the bottomless pit. After he has bound him, this one angel is doing all of this. He binds the devil. He holds him. Lifts the lid, throws him in, closes the lid, and that's it for a thousand years for him. Yeah. Amen. So tell me how big he is. He's not big. God is big. God is awesome. God is overwhelming. There is no way to describe him. The reason for all of this and the reason is because God has placed a desire in our lives to seek him and to reach out to him. And when we reach out to him with a love in our heart, he is ready to answer that request and that desire because it is his desire as well. We were made with a purpose. We were chosen before the foundation of the world. And with purpose, we were made to be in him, to be in him. So what were we made for? Was it to play music? Was it to do carpentry? Was it to be an excellent secretary? Was it to be a businessman? Was it to be uh, just a family man with a lot of children? Uh, 
You know, all of those things are okay, but that's not what we were made for. We were made to be connected to Jesus Christ, to be in him through his righteousness. That's what we were made for. We have a purpose. Amen. We have a purpose. Man was made with a desire to worship, and that's why you find these people worshiping all kinds of things. I don't know if you've ever wondered like myself, but sometimes I've wondered how people could worship such strange-looking things, hideous-looking things, scary-looking things. They worship the moon. They worship the stars. They worship this, you know, anything that is greater than themselves. They tend to worship. Uh, they worship things they can't even describe. It's as bad as uh, when Paul showed up on Mars Hill and they had a, an inscription on a tomb that they were worshiping and it said, to the unknown God. So they had worshipped everything they could possibly come up with, and just in case they missed some, some God that they should worship, they put an unknown God that would take the place of the one that they may have missed. But Jesus does not wish to be unknown. Amen. He came to satisfy the hungry and the thirsty. Those that thirst after him will be filled. Amen. The altars are built. The confessions were made and are made. The ark was prepared in the Old Testament. The tabernacle was brought about in the wilderness. The temple in Jerusalem. But it was Christ's child at Bethlehem that would save his people from their sins. It, that is where it was at. It took a while. I don't know. The scripture says in the fullness of time. This came about. I know Eve wanted it to happen right away. Surely Cain was the the promised uh, child that would bring them back into, you know, paradise. It was not. Cain was certainly far from being the the perfect child, killing his brother Abel. And uh, then Seth came along. And though he loved God, and God began to flow through his bloodline, it was not to happen then. How about Abraham? Oh, outstanding man, a friend of God, but he was not the man. How about Moses? Awesome man. Awesome. He give, uh, God brought him up on the mountain and actually conversed with him uh, literally and uh, physically gave him the law, actually wrote the tablets with his finger and gave it to Moses. You know what's funny when you read that? You know, Moses is the only man that I can think of that broke all ten commandments in one, at one time. But he did. When he came down off that mountain, he became so angry that he broke the tablets and had to go back up on the mountain. But you know what happened? God gave him the first one. He carved it out. He wrote it out. But the next one... Moses had to bring his own stones, his own carved out stone he had to bring to God. God wrote it. I'm glad that God wrote it. Because if God didn't write it, somebody would have been saying, well, Moses slipped up here and he didn't write it like God wrote it. Well, God wrote it both times. But the second time, Moses had to bring his own equipment. Yeah, I give you the first tablet. You break that one, you got to make your own tablet. (laughs) And it was rough back then, cutting stone for a tablet. 
You think that's rough. Try doing it with your fingernail and write the Ten Commandments on the stone. Well, God can do all things. Thank God. You know what? The journey has been long for man. But for God, it's been right on time. Today is the day of salvation, the Scripture said. We must purpose to be saved now. Now is the time we need to be saved. But immediately, in our mind, so many things come up. Well, you know what? I would, but I've got these other things happening, and I've got this happening, and and I need to accomplish this. I need to accomplish that. And we forget all about the fact that we have no control over when we are going to die. When we are going to die. Dr. Dobson, a well-known speaker on the family radio uh, many years ago, told a, told a story. I'd like to share that. He simply said he's, he was playing half-court basketball with a friend of his, and uh, they just finished, and, uh, and they were just kind of catching their breath, drinking some water, catching their breath from uh, the activity. And he says to his friend, he said, how do you feel? And he said, you know what, doctor? I have never felt better in all my life. And the next second, he fell down as though he was dead. Well, Dr. Dobson said he stood around a few minutes, or not a few minutes, but he stood around a second or two, and he said, all right, all right. I forgot what his name was, but uh, we'll call him Bob. All right, Bob. The joke's over. Come on, get up. But Bob didn't move. And he reached down, there was no pulse. He had died just like that. One second, he felt, never felt better in all his life. And one second later, he was gone. There you go. So tell me what you've got to do tomorrow, what you have to do next week, what you have to do beyond the time that you have right now. Today is the day. Amen. Would you say it with me today? Today is the day. One more time. Today is the day. Today's the day. This is the purpose of God in our lives, that we might be in him. And to put it off is very foolish, very foolish. We always must use the word of God to guide our way. Because if we don't, we will come up with ways that, that will create an error. There will not be a fulfillment and an accomplishment and purpose. Many people are not satisfied with religion. And I don't blame them. I'm not either. But I love worshiping God in the freedom of his truth. Amen. It is his truth that we need in our lives and not religion or systematic uh, procedures that imitate the presence of God. Amen. 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 I've been in churches, uh, not not Pentecostal churches in particular, but... I've been in churches that they represent the Spirit of God, and they represent uh, the, the holiness of God, and they represent the move of God, and all of these things they represent by pictures on, in the stained glass pictures and uh, different ele- elements and different little images and things like that. And they can only say, well, yeah, that, that represents what I would like to have happen. That represents what I'd like to have happen. But God is not interested in us representing what he can do. He wants us to enjoy and be a part of what he can do by coming unto him. He said, I will not turn anyone away. I will not turn anyone away. 
Amen. Amen. All are invited to be a part of the glorious church. And Jesus saw a glorious church way before the foundation of the earth was ever made. He saw a glorious church. Someone looked around and said, well, it must not have been this one. Well, you can look around and see a lot of things that, that always need improvement. Tell me when you're ever perfect. I don't know. I think the only time that we're ever perfect is when we're in the perfect presence of God. As long as we're alive, there's something to be done. There's an adjustment to be made. There's a closeness that we can get. There's a truth that we can know. And the main thing is to be on the right road. When you're on the right road, the right signs come up. Amen. They do. In Staten Island, we have an expressway, and we have two side roads that go on each side. You could call them service roads. And you can ride on that service road, and you can look at the people on the expressway. At least you used to be able to. Now they've built a wall, so you can't see them. But used to. You could look over and see them, and you could wave to them. You could keep up with them. Except once in a while you get on the service road, you get a red light, and you've got to stop. But you're going the same direction. You're either going east or west. And, uh, and so it's, it seems to be no problem. But if you're going to Brooklyn or you're going to New Jersey on that expressway, uh, you will find that at the end of Staten Island, on either end, you, you have to go over a bridge. That's why it's called Staten Island. We truly are an island. There's only one way to get in and out, and that's by a bridge or a ferry boat because you don't want to swim. No, you don't want to swim. Only deer swim into Staten Island, and then they, they decide to stay there and create problems, but nevertheless, can't, they're so dear, I can't, uh, I can't argue with them. But nevertheless, what, what I'm getting at here is that when you're on the service road, you're going the same direction as, as the expressway. And people, people many times get into a situation, and they're, they're going along, and they say, I'm, they're religious, I'm religious. No problem. You know, they love God, I love God. And uh, they can quote Scripture, I can quote Scripture. And we're going the same way. And there's nobody that really can deny they're not going the same way. But they're not on the same road. And when you're going the same way but not on the same road, you have a problem when you get to the end of the island. Because the service road stops. But the expressway goes up over the bridge into the other place that you need to go, either New Jersey or Brooklyn. That's the difference. And when you're in life's road and you're riding along and you're looking at one another and comparing yourself with someone else, the Bible says it's unwise to compare yourself with one another. That's true because everybody's on the journey independently. We're all adjusting, uh, you know. You arrive there or you may not. You, you, know, you have different adjustments and, and you ride along, but the important thing is being on the right road. How do we know if we're on the right road? Well, because Jesus gave us the right road map. <laughs> Hallelujah. He gave us the right road map. When you read the map, you'll stay on the right road. Amen, amen, amen. I followed a person once because I didn't know where I was going. Found out they didn't know where they was going either. It was a traffic jam, and I said, I'm getting away from this traffic jam, and I followed his car. It looked like it knew where it was going, and sure enough, it, 
In a way, it did know where it was going. It pulled right into a driveway. I said, well, here I am. Now I've got to find another way out of here. Amen. We do not want to misguide our lives by just comparison uh, because comparison will get us into great difficulty. The Holy Ghost has come that it might guide us and lead our lives into all truth. And as we let the Spirit of God lead us, we will find ourselves on the right road automatically because that's the road the Spirit of God travels. There is a highway. It's called a highway of holiness, a highway of godliness, a highway the Spirit travels. And when the Spirit of God is in your life, you will travel that road. You can't see it, but you can feel it. Amen. And when you're on the road, you can feel the assurance and the guidance of God's presence in your life. Many people have refused to lean on God. They distrust the arm of flesh. I don't need anybody to tell me how to get to heaven. I can get there myself. Well, that's certainly a lie that you have believed that will prove to be a a very bad situation in your life. Because there's nobody getting there except Jesus takes you there. We had a Liberian brother that used to uh, be in our church, and uh, uh, he's passed away at this time. But one of his favorite things he would say, if you don't make heaven, you can't blame Jesus. That was his statement. And it is a true factor. Because Jesus gave everything that he had. He gave his blood. He gave his life. He gave everything that we might be redeemed. And because of his righteousness and his fulfillment, we are able to be set free and walk with him. Amen. There is a way, the scripture said, that that man thinks is right. But the way is, when you get to the end of it, it is death. We're made with a purpose from the mind of God, predestined to obtain the goal. You can't lose. If you get on the right road, it's going to heaven. I wonder if I'm going to make it to heaven. Only if you stay on the road. If you stay on the road, that's exactly where it goes. That's exactly where it goes. It goes right to heaven. Amen. It's the roads that are not made by God. And they are made by our own mind that we have great difficulty with. Amen. Having predestinated us or the church. Now, it is not true that an individual is predestined to either be saved or lost. So if you've been believing such a lie, stop believing it now because it's not true. Jesus said, whosoever will may come and drink of the waters of life freely. And if that's true, and it is because Jesus said it, he does not lie. Whosoever will may come. That means anyone can come. If anyone can come, then we are not individually predestined to either be saved or lost. Anybody ever told you I'm just not one of those church kind of people? Yeah, they'll tell you those kind of things. Some lie has gotten into their mind, and they have believed it, but it is not true. Every human being has the invitation and the ability and the willingness of God that they might be saved. For God is not willing that any should perish. That any should perish. That any should perish. That's even the people you don't like. God's not willing that they should perish. 
There's a lot of people sending people a lot of places. It don't matter. Because we don't have the authority to send person to hell or to heaven. Amen. There's only one that has that authority. And that's Jesus Christ. Amen. Mankind allows that which God placed in us as we allow it to happen in our life and seek truth, we will find ourselves automatically in God. The key is make sure it's truth. And the only way we can find that it's real truth is in his word. His word is truth. He is truth. There's only one truth. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. The satisfier of those who thirst after righteousness. I wonder today if there's anybody thirsty to come and drink from the waters that Jesus has today. Would you stand with me right now? Praise God. There's a well that Jesus has for every soul that's thirsty and hungry for him. And he said, I will not hold back. If you will seek me with your whole heart, I'll be found of you. I will be found of you. I will be found of you. See, if I could only know how to find God, just open your mind to the Lord and say, Lord, not my will, but your will. Lord, not my way, but your way. Not anybody else's way, but your way, Lord. You are the way, the way. You are the truth. You are the life. And that's where it's at. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today, oh God, I thank you today, Lord, for this group of people that have gathered here today, this beautiful congregation. Lord, we've come to worship you. We've come to desire you. We've come to understand more about you. And Lord, I know that you have entered into this house. We have felt your presence from the very beginning, oh Lord. You are here right now desiring someone to make a change, someone to open up their life, someone to say, I'm thirsty for God. I'm tired of the way I've been guided. I'm tired of the way that I have designed my own design of life. I want the purpose of God in my life. Since I was made for a purpose, let me fulfill the purpose I was made for, and that is to be a child of God, adopted into your family, Lord, taken out of the chains of of bondage and brought into the liberty of God's Spirit. Thank you, Lord, today. I pray in Jesus' name you will move on every heart and you will touch that life that needs you so desperately this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Ministries podcast. If this message touched you, please make sure to subscribe for more sermons from Pastor Frank and the ministry team here at Maranatha, as well as follow us on our social media platforms. We are located in Schenectady, New York, and if you are in the area, we invite you to join us during our weekly Sunday service starting at 10.30 a.m. We look forward to you joining us again next week for another anointed message. Thank you, and God bless.